Morning, everybody. Happy birthday, John. Welcome to the 50 plus club. <clears throat> you need to make a bathroom break or anything? <laughs> I mean, someday I'll be 50 and then I'll know what that's like. We're in a series right now where we're talking about the, uh, the roots of what OB Joyful is, the D, what we call our DNA. So we have four DNA statements, which uh, have little pictures with them to help you and me, not you, just you, me especially, remember what they are. And these are these aspirational things. They're part of who we are. Uh, they're biblical. But we look at it and we say, this is, this is where we're headed. This is what we're a part of as well. So uh, go ahead and just click them up there and I'll follow you as you, as you go. So one is, we, we've talked about all but one. Uh, we abide in Jesus. So that's what this little hand with the growth out of it is. And then uh, whatever that is. And then uh, we go together, and that's a tandem bike, right? We're together in community with Jesus. And then we pass, today we pass the baton. That's what we're going to talk about. It's a little picture, and I think we all get that image. And then one more, and we are heat and light. So all these are biblical things that we look at and say, this is who the church is. This is what, these are distinctives, too, of our church to help us remember who we are as we go through <clears throat> life and as we decide what we're going to be a part of. And, you know, as I said, we're going to talk about passing the baton today and what that means and what it means to you as a church, a member of this church. By the way, I think this is almost completely local people in here today. So that's kind of cool. There's like 160 plus of us in here. So... Um, we're the people in town, right? We're a lot of the believers, and there's some others at other churches this morning by that are following Jesus in our town and are able to be here today. Uh, what does it mean to pass the baton? You know, I spent a lot of time thinking about that actually this week, that, that metaphor, the image of passing the baton. What does that look like? And so I actually, you know, got on YouTube for a few minutes and I got really sidetracked and watched a whole bunch of track and field um, while I was supposed to be working. But it is amazing when it is done right. You know, it's this beautiful thing where they're just moving and there's, you know, I ended up watching a lot of Olympic footage in the United States and stuff and, you know, just getting all, you know, I wanted to stand up and put the flag out and everything. It was, it was pretty, uh, pretty cool. And then, okay, so, and as I'm watching these things, this, I, re- I remembered back to my high school days to this TV show that I used to watch. Here it comes. Um, it's called Monty Python's Flying Circus. Okay. I know these things don't tie together very well. Yes, yeah, some of us watched Monty Python. And, uh, so on the show, there was one that I remember, and they, it was uh, what they called the Silly Olympics, which you can also look up on YouTube. And the Silly Olympics has this, uh, these people come up to the line, and there's a guy with a gun, and the, guy, the announcer says, this is the race of people with no sense of direction. And so he shoots the gun, and they just scatter like chickens. It's like, they just go all over the place. And, uh, and they come back to it several times. I just remember that, and I thought, you know, there is a streamlined, disciplined uh, professional effort that is really um, a, a great passing of the baton in a race. And there's also something that looks more like people with no sense of direction who are on the track, but just, go, just aren't really sure what to do next. And, and I thought, well, what, when I think about the church, or I think about our church, and I think about passing the baton, do we get that? 
Or do, do we have a sense of direction about what it is to pass the baton? If I was to ask you, you know, literally, and I came up to you personally and said, what does that mean? You might fumble around for a minute. I might fumble around for a minute. What does it mean to pass the baton? But we need to know what that means. We have an image. We can picture it. We know it has something to do with passing along spiritual information and helping people forward. But what does the Bible say about it? How can we understand it? How do we take that and make it our own and make it something that our church is known for? Because it's one of our DNA statements, part of the core values that, d- that decide and, and guide who we are. Uh, passing the baton is a metaphor for really, I'll just call it altogether the word discipleship. And discipleship is a church word. So if I went to you and said, hey, what is discipleship? You might be like, uh, passing the baton, right? What exactly is, is discipleship? Discipleship, I'm just going to give a, a top level idea and it's how I remember it because I'm the very top level cookies, right where I can get them kind of person. Discipleship is being discipled and, and discipling others. That's discipleship. But what that is, is growing in Christ. Discipleship, the word disciple is the word follow. So I'm a follower and I'm helping someone else follow. Okay, so if somebody says we're passing the baton, you can think whatever one of these works for you. It's discipleship. It's being discipled and discipling someone else or other people. It's following and then helping someone else and helping them follow. Are you with me on this? I don't want to get too complicated or too many definitions or anything, but follow. In fact, the word, the name Matthew, the word Matthew in Greek is to follow. So when you see discipleship in the Bible, the word is Matthew. So if I'm a follower, then I, what I'm attempting to do is not only follow myself, but help someone else and, and others follow Jesus. So we pass the baton, we disciple, we are disciple, disciples and disciplers, we follow and we help others follow. Uh, in Matthew 28, as a matter of fact, Jesus, he lays this down. This isn't the passage we're going to be in, but if you want to turn there, it's the very end of Matthew. The very last few verses, Jesus is speaking and he's saying the last things he's going to say to his boys. And he says, one of the things he says in there is make disciples of all nations. You're my followers. He says, you guys, Matthew, right, is writing this, disciple, the follower, is writing about the followers of Jesus using his own name in the Greek. When you look at that, he's saying, you guys are my Matthews. I want you to make Matthews of the nations. And the nations is just another word for people, all people, all right? So that's sort of the translation of that. Jesus' last words include make disciples, speaking to the disciples, make disciples, and includes all of us. The passage we're going to be in today is where Paul is speaking to Timothy. And it's in 2 Timothy. And basically, Paul is going to say, and we'll read this in just a minute, but he says, hand off what I've given you to other people who can then hand it off. You followed me. I'm a follower of Christ. Now take what you learned from me and hand it off to people who will continue to hand it off. So there's this, you know, built-in idea of handing off. And that's where that image, I think, is something that can help us every day when we think about what is it that God has called us to? What has Jesus called us to? What's Paul talking about in 2 Timothy when he's writing to this follower of Paul, a follower of Jesus? But here's the problem. I, and I just, I, I guess I'll just have to be, you know, uh, 
transparent about this. I find myself, when I look at the spectrum of, okay, here, here's, here's a disciplined team of athletes who are handing off the baton and running and running to the next person and handing off the baton and being successful in it. And I compare that to the other side of the silly Olympics with no sense of direction. And I think, where am I in this? Um, I'm not sure where the church is. I'm not sure where our church is in that. If we had to say, we got to give ourselves a score. Where are we? Where are you? Because every believer, if you're a believer, and obviously this is a message written to believers. If you are a believer, then with you is the responsibility to move from the point of just taking in information and, and absorbing things. That's all good. But from following to handing that off because we pass the baton or we're called, like Paul says in just a moment, we'll read, to take what we've learned and hand it off to people who will again hand it off to someone else. But here's the good news. Uh, The whole Bible and especially the New Testament was written to people who didn't get it. Those disciples who heard that from Jesus, they didn't get it. They're all of us. It's okay if we don't get it. That's why we have the word of God to help us. So it's okay. Don't feel too guilty. All right, I'm not trying to heap stuff on you. I'm just trying to point out what I think is the truth about who we are. That's the beauty of the word. Um, So here's the main point. Make disciples. Go from, we need to go from hearing and being fed and thinking about that to actually thinking about how are we going to engage people our age, older than us, people that need to move forward following Jesus. So I want to ask you to think about a couple things. Ask some questions of yourself. Uh, Is most of your Christian experience on Sunday morning? Is that where most of this happens? Is is there a sense of um, emptiness with your faith, like a lack of direction, lack of motivation and movement? Is is that happening with you if you were to ask yourself? uh, Wondering if there's more to following Jesus? Is there something else? Am I missing something? Um, so I want to encourage you to, to start thinking about how you might use your gifts. As we we're talking this morning, think about how you might use, how you've been wired to help someone else follow Jesus. How can you invest in another person's relationship with Jesus? And you may feel ill-equipped to do that. Like, I'm right at the beginning of this. I don't even know. I just got on the track. I don't know what to do. That's okay. Start thinking about it. This is, this is a message about growing in spiritual maturity. Okay. This is a message about saying there's more to this. We're not earning Jesus' favor, you know, trying to be good enough to get in. What we're doing is because God has, uh, by his grace, made us part of his family, there are things that we do as a member of the family. And part of what we do as as, uh, Christians is move from just taking to following and helping others follow. So where are you in that? Is there emptiness in your spiritual life and your walk with Jesus? Let me encourage you. There's something more. and Maybe it's this. So let's read it together. Uh, this is 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is Christ Je- in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in, the suffering as a good, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I've said, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. All right, three things we're going to see. A strategy that Paul lays out, 
strength that we need in order to be followers and disciples and pass the baton, and then suffering that comes as a part of discipling, comes as a part of passing the baton. So what we're going to do is start in the middle of the passage where he talks about, where we're going to call it strategy. Paul says to Timothy, hey, you're critical in helping other people become followers. And that's what Jesus says to them, to his followers, and that's what Paul is saying to us. Look at verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There is a goal to help people know about Jesus and to grow up in him. The strategy then, the things that we do underneath that, include and are mostly taking what we know, taking what God has given us, and delivering it to someone else so that they can grow and pass it on again. And there's a, a really simple process here. And I, I mean, we all see it. This, is, this isn't a one and done thing. When you hand off the baton, like in a, maybe in a, in a race, in a real race, you might be done like that day. Hand off, they take off, they go, and you're done. In, in following Jesus, we continue to look ahead. Where is the next person? How am I going to invest to help people follow Jesus? So we're continually looking ahead. We're a part of the strategy that is looking to the next person that we can hand off this thing. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that baton is in just a moment. Uh, by the way, when it says, entrust this to faithful men, that in, in the Greek is a very generic term. In, in, entrust this to faithful people. It's not, oh, this is just for men. It's not something like that at all. It, this is something that all of us are a part of, and we hand these things off to other people. And the nations includes everyone in Jesus' version of this. You know, I, I love the other day I was uh, listening in on a conversation. I was standing there, but it was uh, with uh, one of our Young Life leaders who's working in Gunnison as a college student, working with uh, high school students in Gunnison at Gunnison High School. And uh, so, and he was saying that he was continually reaching out to this kid to say, hey, I want to get together with you and hang out with you. And with all, all he wants to do is communicate, hey, I, I want to be your friend. I want to introduce you, take you to something where you can hear who Jesus is. I want to get you on the track, right? Not, pa- not necessarily passing the baton yet, but just giving the information to someone who then will be on the track and have the opportunity to hear who Jesus is and what it means to know him and experience his grace. See, Young Life is awesome because what it does is it gives people a structure who want to serve and to lead and to pass the baton a way to, a structure for doing that. But most of us don't have a structure for that. That's the beauty of being in as a Young Life leader. Because what, what happens is you, you, you realize what, I, what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to be passing the baton. So I'm going to go out and reach out to kids. I'm going to reach out to people and I'm going to try to introduce them to who Jesus is. There is an active effort to pass the baton. Do you see what I'm saying? For, for a lot of us, there's no framework that we're working. It's like, well, what am I? It's totally self-started. What am I going to do? I don't know what to do. And so it was so cool to hear that because, y'all, we're gonna ha- we have tons of kids in Young Life at Crested Butte. We're going to have a lot of kids in Young Life in Gunnison before long. But you know why? Because people are standing around their hands in their pockets? Nope. Because they're actually inviting kids to know who Jesus is. They're actively working to say, hey, here's his baton. You guys need, you need this. But there's something that we do about this baton. The baton is, you know, Paul says, it's this information I've given you. It's an example. He's writing from prison. I mean, I'm about to die, Timothy, so you need to know this. This is the stuff. 
This is the gospel. This is all this information that I've given you. Whatever it is that you've ever read from Paul in the New Testament, what you've seen, Paul is saying, I'm, I'm handing this off to you. I'm handing this off to you. Now take it. Now here's the thing that, that I tend to do. Maybe you can relate to me. I get really focused on the baton, like the information. Like I leave like a Sunday service somewhere. I'm like, oh, that was a good message. I like that message. That was good for me. I learned some stuff. That was good. But which means like some days it's a bad message. That's okay. I'm okay if you, you know, if you're hearing anything, uh, you know, that didn't connect. I understand. But we get really focused on the baton. So what happens if you're running? I mean, I don't know how many of y'all were runners. I, I wasn't. But you're like looking back and you're supposed to be at full speed in this zone. You're running up to full speed to take the handoff and you're looking back and you're totally focused at the baton. What is going to happen to you and your team? Look it up. It's pretty amazing. You can keep going on YouTube for a long time. <laughs> There's some amazing wipeouts because people are starting to look out, look back at the baton. We get so focused, or we get focused on the person. Like, oh, who's handing off to me? You know, like, um, I love to listen to Tim Keller. So I'll listen to Tim Keller. But you know what? Tim Keller is a normal dude. He has problems. I don't know if you, even if you know who he is, but he's a great teacher. But if I elevate that guy and elevate his teaching and all this above other things, man, I'm making a mistake. We can't get too focused on who's handing off and, and all that. What we need to do is have a balanced understanding of there is learning, there's taking in information, there's growing in our faith, there's being discipled, there's helping, and then there's looking forward and helping other people move. So for all of our time in our Christian faith is just taking some stuff in, we may be missing what Jesus has called us to as his children. So we need to value the baton appropriately and the other pieces of this uh, model of discipleship. So uh, one other word I want to point out before we move to the next point uh, in this strategy is I love the word that, that Paul uses. He says, uh, entrust. Entrust this stuff. Give it, pass it along. This is like a letter you want to give them. You show them how important it is, and then they're going to hold it tight and, and learn it and love it. Entrust that valuable thing to them so that they can take it and entrust it to the next person. Can you imagine if a lot of us in this church are really doing that? It's not one-to-one. It becomes multiplicative, and it becomes exponential as it goes out. There's a lot of impact that we can have if we are passing the baton, if each of us gets that because it just flows out like this. Entrust that. So to be a part of this strategy, this this process of handing off, we need to have an idea of the goal, but we, we need to balance well what we're looking, what we're taking and handing to another person. But this is going to take strength. And that's what Paul talks about right at the beginning. In verse 1, it's kind of a, a, a cool little phrase. He says, my child, which, which was a real tender term of endearment that he's using there. He says, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He has this uh, intense empathy before he sets up this, I want you to, to disciple people. He says, my child, you're going to need the strength of Jesus for this. I mean, that's one reason we don't do it. Because when we look at it, it's like such a big thing. We don't know where to start. We don't know how to do it. We disqualify ourselves. We're all kinds of things. But Jesus comes in with empathy, says, my child, my, I care so much about you. You're going to need the strength of Jesus for this. It's going to be difficult to do what I'm asking you to do. But here is the hidden sort of gem inside there. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. Did you notice what he didn't say? You are so, you're my child. I'm so proud of you. You are so awesome. You can do this. 
He didn't say, you have all the gifts to do this. He didn't say, you're, you're good enough for this. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And grace means that you don't have enough to do it, right? That's just the definition of grace, that someone else came and filled in all the blanks for your application, right? So yeah, Timothy, you're a superstar in the Bible, but you don't have what it takes. You're going to need the grace of Jesus. So as soon as you think, I don't have it, I stink, this isn't going to work, there's no way I can do this, you're in the right place. And to me, that's pretty encouraging, because I'll be honest, I mean, sometimes in what I do, because a lot of what I'm supposed to do is, is disciple, right? I get discouraged. I'm thinking, man, I'm not very good at this. I stink at this. this is, I'm not doing a very good job, you know? And then I go to a, to a passage like this. It says, you know what? It's not your strength. It's not because you're awesome. It's be, be strong in the grace that's in Jesus that, that covers it all. Okay. I think that's a great line of encouragement if you ever want to help somebody out. If you want to you know, really hand off some truth to them, hey, be strong in the grace that's in Jesus. All right, so there's a strategy, but there's a need for Jesus-sized strength, right? But then Paul does say, his first thought after giving them this idea of discipleship, of passing the baton, is he immediately jumps in with this statement. He says, you're going to suffer. It's going to be really hard. And I'm going to give you three examples of how you should think about yourself in the midst of the struggle, right? He says in verse three, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then he, he says, like an athlete, like a farmer. Think about it. This is going to be hard work. And so I have to ask myself, if I focused on passing the baton to the point where it's difficult, no, I can't say that where I've really worked hard at it as an individual follower of Jesus and as a corporate follower of Jesus in this church to pass the baton to disciple. Have I done that? Have I balanced what I'm taking in and handed it off to someone else who will again hand it off? There's a word that he uses right there for, he says, uh, suffer together. It's a pretty cool word, especially because one of our uh, core values, our DNA statements is that we uh, go together. He's, the word suffer together is one word. It's rarely used in the New Testament. But he says, together, you're going to do this hard thing. Do this as a team. Don't do it. You don't have to be all by yourself. Talk to people. Figure out how to do it as a group. This is part of the church. This is who we are. Suffer together. And then he gives these three illustrations that uh, I like uh, in, in verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. You know, when you've been in, when we have veterans stand up and we honor veterans, we know who veterans are in our community. There's something about that person I go, wow. I always think to myself, wow. They have set themselves up. They have taken a course of action that is absolutely bold and courageous. They put their life on the line. They're willing to put their life on the line again. You know, you just think that when you see those people. They're, they see something that's bigger than I see. They're willing to commit to something that's bigger than I'm willing to commit to. And I, I want to honor them when they stand up. And it has to do with our nation. But I think the same metaphor is true. There's, the same thing is happening with what Paul is saying, that as believers, to pass the baton, to hand off our faith to people who will again hand it off, that takes 
the courage and independence and foresight looking above the crowd and saying, this is who I am. I'm wearing this uniform. When I was a kid, I used to be totally fascinated by those guards of the queen, you know, the foot soldiers of the queen with the red coats and the big bear hats or whatever they call them. Because, you know, they would, they would do this and nobody could distract them. They could get in their face. And I thought that, as a kid, I thought, wow, what an incredible thing. You know, they're so focused. They don't care what anybody does around them. And I'm not suggesting that Christians should be like all uptight and, you know, so focused that we can't. No, the point is that we have, we have a direction a point, he's saying there's one person that we need to aim to please, not everybody else. And that gives us a lot of freedom to act. It takes a lot of courage. It's going to mean suffering. He, and he, didn't, he goes on and he says, you know, you're part of a team. It's like an athlete or a farmer even in, that gets down to sort of an individual kind of an image. He says the athlete has to compete according to the rules and a farmer works hard on the land. Think think about those for just a second. You can't cut corners and be successful in discipling. You have to play by the rules. You can't figure out a shortcut and show up at the finish line. You have to play by the rules. And a hardworking farmer is the one who, he says, should reap the benefits. We've got to work hard at this. This is going to take work. You know, I think a lot of us feel like, hey, I'm a Christian now. I've got the answers. I know heaven is like where I'm headed. I'm going to be with God. It's going to be okay. Well, knowing Jesus isn't all about making our life happy. It's about following him. And following him is sometimes going to include some really hard stuff. And Paul is saying, dude, have the strength of Jesus. Be ready for that. When you have the strength of Jesus, what you're going to need to see yourself as is a soldier, as an athlete, as a hardworking farmer. It's going to be tough, but suffer together in that. I'm going to conclude by just reading you something that happens in the book of Matthew, chapter 14. Jesus has just heard that John the Baptist has had his head cut off, right? He's been killed. And so he, when Jesus heard this in verse 13, he withdrew from there by himself to a desolate, a desolate place. When the crowds heard where he was, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, this is a desolate place. There's no food. The day is over. Send the crowds away into the villages so they can get something for themselves to eat. And this is, the, this is the thing right here. Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said, but the, all we have is this. All we got, this little basket of food. And then Jesus says, bring that to me. That's pretty cool. You guys do it. Uh, we can't. But what do you got? Okay, bring that to me. Then we'll multiply it together. Uh, It's not that you have something to offer. It's not that you know what you're doing. I mean, you could be the most baby Christian and you could send a note to a friend that says, man, I saw you walk, I saw you and I could tell that you're a follower of Jesus and that meant a ton to me. Man, that will stoke somebody up. They will run that much faster. You don't have to be a genius Christian to do that. There are little things, little ways you can use your gift. Bring what you can. Because it's Jesus that's going to fill in the blanks. He's going to, he's going to cover the gap. Okay? 
doesn't matter where you are, how, how immature, how beginner you are, or how far along we've come. But we, as followers of Jesus, need to take the next step of maturity. Y'all, we have got to take the next step of maturity, and this is one of them. We need to pass the baton. God, I pray that you will help me and my friends here uh, who are trying to follow you to do that very thing, to pass the baton, and to understand what that means. And God, I thank you that it is by, like Paul said, it's by your grace alone uh, that we even have the opportunity to be a part of that. Give us the courage to do it, Lord. We need that. We need it from you uh, wherever we're starting, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all have an excellent afternoon.